Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. And Kono Karuda. This is episode 92, and we're reviewing part three, Stardust Crusaders, Death 13, part two. Yet another long string of numbers. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. I probably sound a little tired today, a little fatigued, because um, I am. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. <laughs> I had a long ass drive to and from work today and it drains me. Yeah, it sucks that your company is is trying to adopt the more hybrid type of work environment. Well, okay, so there are like a lot of other companies that are trying to make people go back into the office. We are always sort of hybrid, you know, post pandemic. Um, and it was flexible enough where like, you know, it wasn't a huge shift. Um, now I feel like a lot of companies, including the one I work for is like starting to, they're, they're starting to revert back to far less flexibility than even before, um, you know, 2020. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. They're, they're rebounding real hard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough, uh, doing the commute that I do because Chicago traffic is just awful. And I get tired and I don't want to do anything when I get home. Um, I just want to like zone out and watch anime um, or watch Jojo. So that's always good. But yeah, it does drain me. Uh, so if I sound a little less uh, animated, a little less lively, then I apologize. It's just me working through my commute. But this is still an exciting episode to talk about with the baby standard. I know. I, I didn't remember <laughs> loving like this this whole baby stand arc as much as I do. I know I talked a little bit about that in the last um, episode where, where we reviewed part one. But it, it just really is good. I think there's just so many enemy stand users with part three having that stand user of the week formula or enemy stand user of the week formula that some of them kind of get clouded. Um, some of them kind of get overshadowed, but it is nice to kind of go through this journey, go through the Stardust Crusaders journey and revisit all of these, you know, these mini arcs and stuff. Cause it is a nice refresher and it does remind me like, Hey, there's some really good hidden gems in Stardust Crusaders. Before we get into talking about death 13 part two though, I do have one piece of Jojo news for this week. Although it's not really JoJo news, it's something I I stumbled upon on TikTok, which yes, I'm a I'm a TikTok user. Wow. Please don't make fun of me. I think there there are certain things on TikTok that I, I find really funny. Um rather than you know, like the stupid dances or whatever that people like to do, like the trending dances. Um but yeah, so my TikTok algorithm learned that I love anime memes especially when it comes to JoJo memes. So, of course, I had to share this one TikTok that I stumbled upon, which is a hand-drawn opening for JoJo Part 1, so Sonochino Sadame. Uh, this is from the account called Expec, E-X-P-E-C-C. And, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. So everything is hand-drawn. It's this person who is just in their bedroom holding all of these different hand-drawn paper drawings of like Jonathan and Dio and, and the environment and they're just walking across their whole room set to the tune of Sonochino Sadame. It's basically a recreation of the opening. Yeah. Right? 
it's like a very <laughs> a very quote unquote cheap recreation of the opening but i think one that still takes a lot of effort especially like drawing it and then coordinating everything um and i think this account also has a tiktok of the behind the scenes where it's i think this video is sped up for purposes of fitting with the music of the op but then they did a video where it's just <laughs> them doing the the raw run of it and so it's really slow and you can hear them humming and singing the op to themselves so they know when to cut to the next part um, but we'll share this on the discord the the original hand-drawn op video so that you guys can enjoy it and of course if you are not a member of our discord the link to that is in the description it is really impressive uh, i think that this person put like a lot of thought into it and didn't have to do this but did it anyway and it's it's really really cool it's it's fun to see how how creative they are with trying to match what happens in the op with their hand-drawn art so diving into death 13 part two i have a question immediately that didn't really like pop into my head until watching part two um and the question is why is death 13 the only stand name from stardust crusaders that has or the only tarot card stand name that has a number in it unless i'm wrong am i forgetting one that has a number in it um no i'm going through most of the stands in my head at least from part three i can't speak for the ones beyond that um yeah, I never really thought of that. I, I, I would say it's just that Death 13 kind of just rolls off the tongue a little bit better than just saying death. <laughs> um, and maybe it's just 13 that, that emphasizes the unluckiness that's commonly associated with that number. So putting it together with the name death, because it is the 13th card in the tarot deck, as I explained last episode i was gonna ask if maybe like in the tarot world they don't just say death they say death 13 and is that why a rocky called the stand death 13 um but yeah i'm looking here on the jojo wiki just to confirm and i don't see any other stands from this part that include a number like death 13 does yeah i, I see that someone posed the same question on reddit but it seems like no one really gives a straight er, a straight answer besides you're gonna say no one really gives a, a shit <laughs> I, was, I almost said like strange answer but i meant to say straight answer uh but yeah it seems like people are just kind of theorizing but i think it's a, in line with what i said like because 13 is just an unlucky known as such an unlucky number um, that I'm sure Araki just wanted to attach it to its name to give it more significance. Well, opposite of that, instead of a question, I have a statement. <laughs> and my statement is, the animation in this episode is great. It is great. This episode looks so good. Like, there's tons of detail, especially in some of, like, the up-close shots or, like, the panicked looks on the Crusaders' faces. This episode just looks so fucking good. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why, like, right, like sometimes they dedicate resources to certain episodes, um, pivotal episodes or important episodes. And I think this is one of them. It looked so good. I loved watching it even more than usual because the animation was so clean. Yeah, I'm looking at one particular scene during the dream sequence, which I'm pretty sure you're going to bring this up. Um, 
even though it looks so comical, I think it's just so something about it is so pleasant to look at. I know I'm being really ambiguous right now, but I will bring <laughs> up what I'm talking about when I know Courtney's going to mention this. Um, but yeah, in terms of this episode overall, like my overall thoughts, it, it does feel like more of the same as Death 13 Part 1. But here, I don't think that's a bad thing because like you said, this whole arc with Death 13 has just been so entertaining to watch. Um, I got slight vibes of Enyaba in this episode because Manish Boy has a slightly similar approach with the Crusaders and trying to deceive his true intent from them. And also, if you think about it, both of their stands have like skull-like heads. Yeah, and I loved, I talked about how I loved Anyaba and Polnareff's back and forth because you would have Anyaba saying something to Polnareff, but then you would have sort of that moment in time where we as the viewer get to see what's actually going on in her head. And she's like, this guy sucks. Um, it was the same thing with Manish Boy, right? Like he would pretend mm -hmm. to be a baby and then he'd be like, fuck off, Joseph Joestar. <laughs> like it yeah. was just so, it, it definitely is reminiscent of the Anyaba saga. But with that said, I guess maybe not that one. Is that one a two-parter? It is, yeah, right? Justice. It's justice. Yeah. I think we talked about the lovers being one where it didn't need to be two parts. Would you say you feel the same about the Death Thirteen arc, or do you feel two parts is is the right amount? Mm, that's a good question. I feel like they might have been able to condense the dream sequences into one, where it's not just Polnareff and Kakuyin going in first. And then uh, all of them going in the second dream sequence. Uh, although that wouldn't give time for Kakyoin to figure out how to combat um, Gath 13. So I think it's, in this case, it, it's appropriate that it's split into two parts. The lovers, I... I, I, like specifically the lovers, I think it just felt like they were trying to make up for time by adding these extra scenes. Yeah, I kind of agree with Death on the Death 13 front. I, the thing I love about the way this was kind of played out in two episodes is that you watch Kakyoin's slow descent into madness, mm -hmm. right? Like the f whole first episode is about him like slowly descending, um, questioning his sanity, everyone else around him questioning his sanity. And by the end, they're like, can we even keep Kakyoin around anymore? Like, does he need to go home? And then the second episode is about him overcoming that and finding a way to prove, I guess, prove to a certain degree his innocence because they don't end up remembering it at the end of the day, but he at least remembers it and can get his revenge. So I thought two episodes for Death 13 was perfect. And of course, we graduate from toilet humor to poop joke in this episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my God. That's yeah. kind of toilet humor and poop jokes are the best. Yeah, definite highlight for this episode. But all right, JoJo fans, time for this baby to go bye bye as we crusade into our synopsis and discussion for part three, episode 20, Death 13, part two. Kakyoin has no time for a campfire song song as he witnesses Big Boss Baby turn a scorpion into a literal pinup, but none of the boys believe his outrageous claims about the infant being an infidel, and Polnareff puts him to sleep before Hierophant Green can get his emerald hands on the little bundle of dread. The boys settle down to sleep, but end up unsettled as they are forced to drift into putrid Polnareff land with Death 13 as their terrifying tour guide. 
Thankfully, Kukyuin had Hierophant Green buy a park ticket in advance this time, allowing the noble Pope to put a noble rope around Death 13's neck. The enemy stand decides to use the power of imagination to turn Kukyuin's stand into chopped liver, but the redhead has a five-head strategy by shoving a Hierophant Q-tip into his ears, forcing Big Boss Baby to call Mercy and remove Kukyuin's arm tattoo as atonement. The next morning, the boys wake up but forget to write about their sinister siesta in their dream diary, but Kukyuin Farms remembers, and he makes sure to cook up a nice breakfast poopery as a sign of thanks to his infantile guest. Don't bite the hand that force feeds. With Big Boss Baby at their behinds, Josephu leads the Crusaders from Saudi Arabia to a desolate oasis in the middle of the Red Sea for an important meeting. For as we will soon learn, no Frenchman is an island. And now on to our next segment of the show, Zeta Music and or Tarot Reference, where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and not-so-ordinary world of tarot cards. But, as is usually the case with the second of these two-part arcs, there are no new references in this episode. Well, now it's time for the JoJo Meme Rundown, where we list each new JoJo Meme that appeared in this episode. I have one, but kind of like a second one, but not really, because we talked about it before recording, and it doesn't quite fit. So the first one is is the one that doesn't quite fit. There was a meme that I saw, and this will have to come back, I guess, later in Stardust Crusaders, um, but a meme that I saw about like the Crusaders thinking that they never got attacked by some of the Egyptian gods. So there's like nine Egyptian gods and the enemy stand users are named after them in the latter half of Stardust Crusaders, but the Crusaders realized that they only met like a handful of them, not all nine, but that's because they didn't meet some of them like Oingo Boingo, or they, they didn't officially realize that they were even out there. So I was thinking about this one with Death 13, and I'm like, the only one who's going to remember they ever even encountered Death 13, if they're like thinking about the tarot cards, is Kakyoin. None of the other Crusaders mm. are going to realize it. Yeah. Have we gone? I don't know. We haven't gone through the entire tarot deck, because there's still, yeah, there's still, um, I already forget who the next one is. Judgment? is the next uh yeah judgment and then high priestess okay so those are the remaining before we ones. get to the halfway point um mm-hmm. where iggy is introduced oh my god we're already to the halfway point i That's know it's crazy, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um but the actual meme for this episode is uh we have star platinum at home so it's you know <laughs> mom can we have star platinum no, we have Star Platinum at home. And then it's a picture of the fucking fake Star Platinum after he smashes the pan in his face and he's just got a big circle for a head. I love that. I see this picture floating around everywhere, but I think that's some, like the best meme used for it. So this is the scene I was talking about earlier. I yeah. <laughs> there's something so, even though Star Platinum looks goofy as fuck in this, uh, there's something so pleasant about looking at his his, his rounded flat face. <laughs> it makes it look like a like a bootleg star platinum figure <laughs> that you find in a, a store that you know sells counterfeit goods um, and, and yeah that's it's like <laughs> your mom buys this thinking oh look it's a jojo figure yeah and, <laughs> and you're like what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so diving into this episode, um, we are right in the thick of it. Uh, we have Jotaro and Polnareff still being suspicious of Kakyoin as they were at the end of the previous episode, saying that he's at his limit, he's going crazy. Um, but then I think about, I think we may have talked about this in the part one review of Death 13, but I think about other episodes, in particular The Lovers, because we just had that one recently, where Jotaro knows Kakyoin so well that he doesn't even have to communicate with him to know that he'll handle the enemy. He knows that he's going to handle lovers. So you'd think that they would be suspicious, they being the Crusaders, would be suspicious that something is wrong versus thinking Kakyoin is losing it, right? Because, I mean, they've seen all manner of enemy stand users and enemy stands that at this point, is it really that, like, unplausible that a baby could be an enemy stand user? <laughs> It's implausible. Impl what did I say? <laughs> said unplausible. Oops. <laughs> implausible. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like they just forget every episode about <laughs> like what happened <laughs> in the last episode. Although I feel like Jotaro is still pretty suspicious in this one. Although, like he doesn't know what to make of it, seeing Kakuin in his current state. Right, like Polnareff's kind of talking to him like, oh man, look at Kakyoin, he's going crazy. And Jotaro's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like he's not sure, to your mm -hmm. point, like, you know, what, what the truth is. But then speaking of Polnareff, as Joseph is making baby food for Manish Boy, um, which kind of sounds like a banana pudding. Like it actually sounded kind of good because he was saying it was like egg yolks. Milk, egg yolks, bananas, and bread. That sounds like banana pudding, doesn't it? Like add a bunch mm. of sugar in there and it's like fucking banana pudding. That yeah. sounds really fucking good. <laughs> I, I wrote down the ingredients specifically because I was curious if our baby would try this mixture. But we should. Honestly, we should. We should try get, making it and giving it to him and see how he reacts to yeah, it. It would be his first JoJo reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I love this this whole thing because you've got Paul Nareff who has a bite of it and likes it so much that he wants to take it all for himself instead of letting the baby eat. And then, you know, leave it to Joseph to know how to make baby food on the fly because he's a dad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just implies that Polnareff is just a big-ass baby too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so as they're cooking the baby food or as Joseph's cooking the baby food, um, I think Kakyoin, like the group is eating, right? And Kakyoin looks over and catches a glimpse of Manish boy stabbing a scorpion before it attacks him. Um, but Kakyoin looks crazy once again because he can't find it. When he when he points the finger at the baby, he can't find it because the baby hid it in its mouth. And I'm just thinking like, okay, you put the scorpion in your mouth. Isn't there a chance that the tail will still stab you in your mouth? I was going to say, is this healthy <laughs> like, i know right oh it was really to... grossed out when i first watched mm -hmm. it i was like that's fucking nasty because i'm sure like the scorpion would be irritated if you were to just pop pop it into your mouth and then that it would go well into, i think like, it a died because didn't he stab it with the, the safety pin and it mm. was dead but he needed to hide the evidence so he stuffed it in his mouth yeah i guess if he didn't shove it in his mouth the right way he could be stung by its stinger and then get yeah. the venom or whatever and that's why i was kind of like all right i guess i guess you shoved it in your mouth but also that was just like fucking nasty mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so gross i had a note here that i feel like this whole thing where kakyoin is trying to prove that the baby is the enemy stand user there was like a looney tune skit or like a nickelodeon or cartoon network show 
about this premise where a character was trying to prove a baby's sentience. I just can't figure out which one. Um, and I'm sure there's like plenty of shows that follow this, but do you have any like any recollection from your childhood about uh, an episode in a show that had this premise? Uh, maybe. I don't quite remember. Like, it sounds somewhat familiar, but maybe I'm just thinking it sounds familiar because I watched it in JoJo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, I'm thinking of, like, I don't think it's, like, Courage the Cowardly Dog, but something that had similar animation. But anyways, that, that was just an aside. I, I wrote this as a note, but, yeah, I, I think this, is, this seems like a common premise in, like, a cartoon. Well, in the last episode for the part one review, I think I talked about how like I wondered what would happen if Kakyoin just told the Crusaders everything um, because of all they've seen and been through together. And here he does exactly that. Clearly, I don't remember all of Death 13's arc because I forgot that Kakyoin actually does try to tell them flat out what's going on with the baby. Um, so he tells them that like Manish Boy is a stand user and even shows them the cut on his arm that reads baby stand. But then Jotaro asks him if he did him did that himself, like cut the words into his own skin. And technically, yes, he did. So he had mm-hmm. to say, yes, I did. But then it just makes him look more crazy because they don't know the full context, right? Like he can't say like, I cut it in a dream and then I woke up and it was on my arm. Like, does that even sound like rational enough for them to believe him? Right. Because I don't think he'd really remember that he caught himself in the dream, right? He can just assume he did. But mm-hmm. does he even like realize that it's a dream world or dream state that all this is happening in? Because you forget everything when you wake up. Yeah. Because that's what happened in the last episode. Like, Kakyoin woke up not remembering what happened until he looked at his arm and saw the baby stand thing. And now and- he feels like he has no other choice like at this point than to use force on the baby to get him to break the facade. Um, but that's mm-hmm. when, of course, Polnareff knocks him and Hierophant Green out. But I wonder, you know, if he were to use brute force on the baby, first off, do we know the baby can actually talk? Like, it, we get him in inner monologue often, right? Like, he's a genius baby, so in his own head, he knows what's going on. But he's at a point where he can vocalize anything, because I don't remember him actually saying anything. No, nothing out loud. So it's like, how would the baby, like, the baby would just start crying, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. also, can Death 13 manifest in the real world? Or can it only to, manifest in the dream? Yeah, I was about to say that the Crusaders would have no clue if Kakyoin was correct if he just attacks this baby. Yeah, and he'll look even crazier at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in the dream world, um, I think that's when, like, well, af- after they knock Kakyoin out, the Crusaders go to sleep and then they're transported into the dream world and Polnareff is freaking out because now he remembers what happened before and tries to warn Jotaro and Joseph. But Joseph is like, oh, it's just a dream? Well, shit, I'll just go back to sleep. And Polnareff yells at him to not make the same mistake he made. And I find this so (laughs) ironic because up until this point, there's been many instances where Joseph has made fun of Polnareff for being like too naive and carefree. And now he's literally doing the same thing that Polnareff did. Because Joseph's an old man. He needs his sleep, right? <laughs> I feel like Joseph and Polnareff are, are more similar than they give themselves credit for. And then I think in the previous episode, the part one review as well, we questioned if Manish Boy needs to be asleep in order to use his stand's abilities. Did we talk about this? Yes. Well, here we get confirmation that he doesn't because while everyone else is knocked out and he's attacking them with Death 13, in the real world, he's eating the baby food. 
Oh. He's got like the pan mm. or whatever, and he's like just kind of, you know, eating away. As they're sleeping? Yeah. Hmm. I must have missed that while I was watching and taking notes. So then in the dream world, um, you know, Polnareff is panicking because he knocked Kakioin out a while ago, like probably, you know, maybe an hour or two before they went to bed and says he needs to make this up to him. But, you know, it's kind of like partly not Polnareff's fault because Death 13 doesn't allow you to remember anything when you wake up. So it's just interesting that like Polnareff feels so guilty for knocking Kakioin out and realizes, oh my God, he's been in this dream world for like who knows how long now. Um, I, I feel so guilty. I got to apologize to him. And I'm like, that's really cool of Polnareff. Like, I don't know. I just, it's interesting to see um, how like those moments where the Crusaders like really care, like genuinely care about each other and feel bad about things. Cause yeah, they shit on each other all the time. You know, it's a group of guys. They're going to make fun of each other, especially Joseph making fun of Polnareff. Um, but when you have these moments where they genuinely care about each other, I always find that to be really nice. Probably because Polnareff learned his lesson with Avdol. Yeah. Like brushing him off initially and seeing where that led to. He's probably scared he's going to repeat history. Yeah, because he kind of just did the same thing with Kakyoin <laughs> here. Uh, but then you have his, his cool hairstyle. Oh my God, that was so great. When his hair gets even higher and then just like freaks out and then mm-hmm. like, you know, pins him down between two poles. Yeah, I thought that was just something that existed in meme format with like Polnareff having the tall flat top. I forgot that it was actually a thing. That meme is episode. actually a JoJo reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that leads us into the first eye catch of this episode. And that is for the stand stats for Death 13, which is revealed in all its glory now in this eye catch. So we have destructive power at C, speed at C, range at E, durability at B, precision and accuracy at D, and development potential at B. So no no changes to stats, just the only changes revealing what Death 13 looks like, even though they revealed it in the last episode. Yeah, it's instead of it being silhouetted and with all the stats being question marks, um, it's it's fully revealed here. For... Oh, the previous one didn't show the stats? Yeah, it was just masked in shadow. Um, so yeah, I think it's just revealed here for dramatic effect. No, like the stats, were they, did, did they show the stats in the no. last eye catch? No, it was all question marks. Okay, so they, they had like nothing then. Yeah. Oh, okay. But seeing these stats now, it seems kind of clear that this is overall not an extremely powerful stand. Although I guess it's imagination-driven and, I guess, hallucinatory capabilities. It's what makes it uh, a pretty competent enemy against the Crusaders. Like, once the the stand gets the enemy or the person it's trying to attack into an advantageous state which is basically just the dream world then it's like fair game like I, like mm-hmm. no, nothing nothing's gonna stop the stand from winning unless you know you think five chess moves ahead like kakyoin or <laughs> you have polnareff knock you out while your stand is <laughs> <Yeah>. still around <laughs> and to that point jotaro summons star platinum in this dream world not knowing that technically he can't and that's when we get our fake 
Star Platinum. That's when we get fake Star Platinum Ora Ora Ing Jotaro and kind of giving him a taste of his own medicine. I'm sure the power was not there, right? Like I know it mm-hmm. sent him flying backwards, but I'm sure it was nowhere near the actual power of Star Platinum. But it kind of does give Jotaro a taste of his own medicine. I just love the laugh of the fake Star Platinum. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it does like the Ora and then it's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's kind of like in Oingo Boingo when Oingo is like dressed as Jotaro and he just sounds mm, funny the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just, re- it reminds me of like hearing Patrick in it was one of the episodes of SpongeBob. It was a, the one where he was, he had the secret box and he was sleeping. Oh yeah. And he kind of makes a similar sound when he laughs like a ha, ha, ha. <laughs> in the previous episode, Death 13 gave us like some explanations about how the stand works, but now we get further explanations and I think Death 13 says that stands, of course, are manifestations of one's mind and that a dream is the mind in its bare form. So you can't summon a stand in there. It needs to be manifested outside of the mind and then brought in. So like they're kind of trapped in their own subconscious. So they can't bring their stand in. But mm-hmm. the stand or managed boy says that they could have if they had summoned the sand before falling asleep, like the clothes that they're wearing or the sleeping bags that they were in or even Joseph's prosthetic hand. And I'm like trying to wrap my head around this. And like, I kind of get it, but not 100%. So like your stand is is tied to your mind, right? The stronger your mental state, the stronger your stand is, mm-hmm. the better abilities you probably have. But the mind is where you're also like in the dream state. So if you manifest a stand, it manifests outside of your body. So if you're inside of your own head, you couldn't really manifest your stand, right? Yeah, I guess it's almost like like lucid dreaming, like where lucid dreamers are able to control what they see in their dreams. But if you can't do that, then your mind's basically going to dream about whatever subconsciously yes then i'm like wondering with bringing things into the dream that you had on you when you fell asleep is it just because your body is touching them so it just kind of assumes that that's part of you at that moment yeah like it's like your mind is recreating what you're touching in that moment so the sleeping bags end up there and the prosthetic hand ends up there in their clothes Mm -hmm. like it's the most familiar thing to you while you're you're dreaming okay yeah i'm like i i like am almost there with understanding the the explanation that death 13 gives but i just need to like talk that one out a little bit Uh, but regardless it works great for kakyoin because he was able to bring hierophant green into the dream because polnareff knocked him the fuck out while the stand was manifested and so the crusaders run over to kakyoin and apologize for doubting him but Kakyoin says, like, it's okay, and he tells Polnareff it's okay, and even thanks him for knocking him out with his stand because that actually ends up saving the day. So this, I kind of want to say this whole arc is is resolved through luck. I think it's like a Joseph-type situation mm-hmm. where, like, they just got lucky that Kakyoin decided to bring out Hierophant Green, and they just got lucky that Polnareff made the decision to knock him out. Because if, if none of that had happened, how would they have survived? Then how would Kakyoin have known in that exact moment to hide Hierophant Green in the ground? Remember he was panicking? Oh, yeah. He said that like when you knocked me out, I had Hierophant Green bury himself in the ground right before I like knocked out. 
Mm-hmm. Basically saying I kept my stand out and hidden before I knocked out. So that Death 13 didn't realize he was about to bring into his dream. I don't know, actually. I was wondering about that. I'm like, how did Kakyoin know that not having any recollection of the dream world in the first place? Yeah, it was almost like a, a gamble he took. Yeah, I mean, Kakyoin is the biggest brain of all of them, I'd say. Um, they talk a lot about how brilliant he is. I mean, even Manish Boy said, I think in the previous episode, um, that he was warned that Kakyoin is very clever, very intelligent. Also interesting that he has white hair in this moment. But then I realized this is where Jojo usually has a dramatic change in color palette to, sh- yeah. <laughs> to highlight like a really significant scene. Um, I thought it was like... Uh, like oh kakyoin has has gone wise with <laughs> figuring <laughs> he's gone out, super saiyan yeah with figuring out how to defeat death 13 well i'm not gonna lie um hierophant green is kind of freaky in this episode because it turns into like a string and slithers into both of death 13's ears and then kind of like controls its body like that and i'm like that's fucking weird like it was just weird watching hierophant green do all of that and like be inside of death 13's mouth I'm like this this is a fucking freaky ass stand yeah kind of like uh dio's what do you call it the buds oh yeah the buds yeah kind of i mean we already saw hierophant green act really fucking freaky in its introductory episode when it mm-hmm. went after that nurse like that was all like really fucking freaky but yeah. i just forgot until like this episode reminded me and so kakyoin defeats death 13 uh, they wake up the next morning and Kakyoin's all refreshed. He's great. He's cooking away. Um, they even question him and, and say, hey, didn't you have like fucking baby stand carved into your arm? And he's like, nope, it's gone. Because uh, he kind of, you know, made a deal with Death 13 that, uh, you know, Death 13 would heal his arm. And that makes me think, like, think about the potential Death 13 has. If Death 13 can heal your arm by willing it in a dream and it happens in the real world, could it cure cancer? Could mm. it cure other like illnesses? <laughs> There's always these enemy stands where I stop and think like, this is really OP. Think about what it could do if you used it in a positive way. Like in part six, when I was talking, or when we were uh, reviewing that and talking about, oh my God, the name's gonna escape me. But um, towards the end of part six, when that stand is with the stand users with Poochie um, at the hospital and the stand can recall memories in the ground, in the earth. What fucking stand was that? Oh, yeah. It was one of the sons of Dio. Yes. It's Uh, the last son of Dio. It was was versus Underworld. Yes. Can you imagine using Underworld to solve every fucking crime ever? Because you can find the truth buried in the earth. Like that's what I think about with Death 13. I don't know the extent to which Death 13 can manipulate bodies in the real world, but we know it can kill somebody and we know it can, the dream world can allow you to carve stuff into your own skin and then have the stand heal it and then you heal in the real world. I'm like, that shit like rivals um, fucking Josuke's stand, Crazy Mm -hmm. Diamond, right? Like this, this stand could heal if it wanted to, but you know, we'll never know how that all pans out, but I just wonder like if you use some of these stands in a different way, what outcome could you have? It makes it almost metaphorical in a sense because it's a basically a child who's controlling the stand. Like the possibilities of what a child could do <laughs> if they put this stand to good use. Like, oh, they could cure cancer, but it's here, it's Manish Boy. It's placed in Manish Boy's hands. Also, so. it's named Death 13. So. Right. <laughs> 
since you mentioned part six, I wanted to backtrack a little bit before this scene, um, right before Kakyoin is able to get the upper hand on Manish Boy because uh, Manish Boy tries to pull out all the stops in using his creativity and his imagination to get back at Kakyoin. Um, there's a point where, I forget who says this, but this also happens in the sky where the clouds are moving strangely. Oh, yeah. It reminds me a little bit like the end of part six. Where, where the clouds are like freaking the fuck out and yeah. moving really fast. Yeah. Just something I I don't know if this was intentional as a way to like foreshadow something or what happens in part six. But again, since we're still kind of fresh off of Stone Ocean, there are things that there's still parallels that I'm finding between both parts that really make this an interesting rewatch. Uh, but yeah, jumping back into the scene between Kakyoin and Manish Boy after he forces him into a kind of submission um, by, by force feeding him his, his poop and his baby food. There's the, I love, I think this is probably the first time they play this track. Maybe there was another episode that they played it, but it's this jovial or playful version of Jotaro's theme. Um, the Stardust Crusaders, but it's just like a rinky-dink piano. Um, the track is called Travelers Who Rest for anyone who's interested. Unfortunately, it's not on Spotify, but I'm sure you could rip it off YouTube and download it to your, your phone or whatever music device you have. Uh, I think it just fits perfectly in this scene where it still kind of sounds sinister and like, you know, JoJo themes always have that sort of one-upsmanship quality to them. But here, it fits hand in hand with it being about a baby who is about to be fed a piece of its shit. And yeah, th there it is again. I know we got this in the previous episode, but once again, um, we get the baby's little wiener and a piece of hot, steamy poo. <laughs> and there's no no centering. It was like, here it is. There's there. This is the situation. Um, but it is one of my favorite moments of revenge in in part three. Kakuyoin stirring the poop and the baby food. Now, do I condone feeding a baby? poop no <laughs> but just mm -hmm. the idea of it it's, it's funny because it's poop humor and i like toilet humor <laughs> i think my jaw dropped the first time i saw this it is I, really fucking gross yeah. <laughs> i mean it's it's an animation but still the the thought of eating your own poop is just yeah <laughs> yeah and okay so then it ends though with like this really weird thing where kakyoin says chan chan or like as it's translated into bitums Kind of mm -hmm. like the narrator did a few episodes ago. In the sun. Yeah, where he's like, Chan Chan, and like, why the weird, like, why those two episodes in particular? And why did Kakyoin do it? It's so <laughs> weird. It's so like, random. Like, he's, mm -hmm. he's like breaking the fourth wall and like acknowledging the narrator almost. Yeah. Maybe just because it ends on this really outrageous note of baby, or of Manish Boy eating its poop, and then, you know, the sun was just the whole whole stupid episode so <laughs> yeah you just need these kind of tongue-in-cheek things um to, to wrap up a, a, a section of a very bizarre adventure and then we get another eye catch um for this episode which is hierophant green and then we get a short uh transitional scene where the crusaders are on a boat heading to an island to meet someone important to their journey according to joseph and gee i wonder who the fuck that is yeah, and it's kind of 
prophetic that it the the camera focuses on Polnareff um, as this as this episode closes out because obviously this is hinting at Avdol's return, which I didn't realize he returns pretty quickly uh, from what I last remember. Uh, I think he when he passed away, or he quote died. unquote yeah, passed, passed away, away. Like episode <laughs> ten. And it's only 10 episodes later where he returns. And that brings us to our final thoughts for part three, episode 20, death 13, part two. So do you think this episode eats shit? Uh, no, but there is shit eating in it. (laughs) Yeah, I I love this episode. Again, I was super impressed with the quality of the animation. Um, I thought it was a fun ride watching Kakyoin be just like, not in his element at all. He's always the straight man of the group. He's always the one who's rational and thinking 10 steps ahead and is one of the more brilliant members of the Crusaders. Um, And so for him to question his own sanity while everyone else is questioning his sanity and for him to literally go up against a like an actual baby. <laughs> it's just like so absurd. It's so absurd for Kakyoin. I could see something like this happening to Polnareff, but to ha- or even Joseph, but for it to happen to Kakyoin is just such a strange combination, but it works so well. Watching somebody as like, you know, as as confident and as like straightforward as Kakyoin go through something so absurd like this is just uh it's it's a great situation it's it's just a great uh thing to watch um and and i i really appreciate sort of the back and forth that we get between the real world and the dream world where the crusaders are at one point again like questioning what's going on with kakyoin and then another moment they're saying holy shit we were wrong thank you so much for saving us um and i think the the bittersweet part of all of this is that at the end of the day, Kakyoin is going to be the only one who ever knows the truth. Because I think he said he can remember, or he remembers everything that happened in the dream, probably because he had Hierophant Green with him. I could be wrong on that. But regardless, he's pretty confident about what had happened, and he knows that he got his revenge against Manish Boy. But what about you? Yeah, I also don't think this episode eats shit. <laughs> I think this whole Death 13 arc does quite the contrary. As I thought this was a solid follow-up to The Sun by just continuing the hilarity while leaning back into Part 3's darker and horror-inspired elements. And frankly, with all the cards stacked against him in this episode, it's just amazing that Kakuin manages to come to his senses after getting knocked out of his senses. But that's why he was the perfect player for this arc in taking down Manish Boy and Death 13. Because his intelligence manages to shine through even if he's pitted against a character who's very clearly in a smaller weight division uh by the way i paid closer attention to manish boy's voice actor um ikue otani because the last episode i mentioned that they were known for or they're known for being the voice of pikachu and i can i could clearly hear that uh this time around like (laughs) just a more sinister sounding pikachu basically um it feels like in the bigger scheme of things, we don't spend a lot of time in Death 13's dream world as Manish Boy kind of toys with his short-lived dominion over the Crusaders, but the glimpses we do get of his twisted imagination are still very much worth our time, especially with the Star Platinum pancake face in this episode. And then the poop. 
the, the, the fucking poop. I nearly gagged the first time I watched this, but just what classic JoJo absurdity to close out this imaginative and whimsical arc before we get right into the thick of the melodrama that is the judgment arc. Yes, like you said, it's judgment time. Um, and uh, truthfully, judgment kind of confuses me. I have a lot of questions about the way judgment works. So we'll talk all about that because judgment is fucking wild. The things that that, that Stan does to Polnareff, oof, my God. Genie in a bottle, right? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this review. I guess this two-part review of Death 13 and baby stand as always subscribe to strictly jojo on your favorite podcast service join our discord to chat with us follow us on instagram at the strictly series on twitter or x or whatever the fuck it is now at strictly series <laughs> and check out our website thestrictlyseries.com. if you'd like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series and tune into strictly anime our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions all links are in the description thank you so much for listening and as always stay safe stay healthy stay weeb to be continued.